This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Please be sure to subscribe and share with friends and family. To help support this ministry, please visit walkwiththeking.org forward slash donate. Thank you for listening. All right, thank you very much. And hello again, dear radio friend. How in the world are you? Well, thank God we can be in the world, but not of it. Aren't you glad? You don't have to be tarred with the world's brush. Don't have to be smeared with the dirty world. God can keep you. Peter says, you who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed at the last day. One of the nice things about being kept by your Lord is you're always ready for the coming of the Lord Jesus. And that's a nice thought, isn't it? Don't have to hurry frantically to clean up your your heart house when God is keeping you. Well, we're in John chapter 20. Now, Lord Jesus has just revealed himself to Mary Magdalene as she stood outside the grave there crying. And he said unto her, Touch me not, for I am not yet ascended to my father. But go to my brethren and say unto them, I ascend unto my father and your father, to my God and your God. Some people feel that after his resurrection, the Lord Jesus came back to the presence of the God the Father, bearing his perfect sacrifice for sins, presenting his shed blood as evidence that all of sin had been atoned for, the holy law of God had been vindicated, and uh, salvation could then be by grace. He said, don't touch me, I haven't yet ascended. But I ascend unto my Father and your Father. In any case, there came that day 40 days afterwards when, as they watched, he was caught up uh, from them and A cloud received him out of their sight, and the angels then said, This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as you have seen him go away into heaven. So Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord and that he had spoken these things unto her. Another of the writers said that, that they didn't really believe her. It was just too much to believe. Anybody that says to you that the disciples were self-deluded and that all of this was a fantasy, you have to read the record realistically and hear the the dreadful evidence that these people didn't believe that, that it had happened, that it could possibly happen. The two who were on their way to Emmaus the night of Resurrection Day, the Lord Jesus drew near them and they said, Are you a stranger in Jerusalem? You don't know what's happened? They told him about the crucifixion and death of their Lord. And they said, we had hoped that it had been he who would have delivered Israel. We thought, in other words, that he was our Messiah. Well, he said, O foolish ones and slow of heart to believe all that the scriptures have spoken, ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to uh, enter into his glory. And beginning at Moses and in all the prophets, he expounded unto them the things in all the scriptures concerning himself. They brought him home to supper, and as he gave thanks for the food, They knew that it was he. See, these people were not self-deceived. They weren't the victims of their own fantasizing. They were hard-minded people who simply refused to believe that, that such a thing could happen until it was proved to them. So the next day, the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, this would be our Sunday, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were ascended for fear, they lay locked everything up, and they talked in whispers. When the doors were shut, came Jesus and stood in the midst. That must have been a tremendous experience. The door was locked. Nobody had entered. 
the windows were shut and barred, and all of a sudden there's the Lord Jesus Christ standing in the midst and said unto them, Peace be unto you. And when he had so said, he showed them his hands and his side. Then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. Vance Havner preached an effective sermon many years ago, as I recall, on that text. Then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. The point being that real joy comes from a personal experience of the presence of Christ in your life. How familiar are you with the presence of your Savior? Do you spend time in his presence or do you just rush in with a laundry list and say, Lord, do this and that, amen, and go away again? Real joy is a byproduct of the presence of Jesus in your life. Remember that, will you, and spend a little extra time with your Lord? Then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. Well, the net result of blessing, the blessing of Christ's presence, is to be put to work. Peace be unto you, as my Father hath sent me, even so send I you. As my Father hath sent me, how did he send him? Down the stairways of the stars, to Mary's home, to the Bethlehem manger, to the years in the carpenter shop, to the byways and the roads, the dusty roads of Galilee, to the judgment hall and the ascent to Calvary's hill and the cross and the broken heart and the victory of the resurrection. He said, my father sent me, I'm sending you the same way. What does it mean for you and for me in the end of the 20th century and the beginning of a new one? What does it mean for Jesus to send us? Well, the obvious thing is found in what we call the Great Commission, isn't it? Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Or as Matthew puts it, go ye into all the world and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. That's the, that's the obvious. He sends us to spread the good news of the gospel, sent with the good news. As my Father hath sent me, even so send I you. Glad tidings of great joy, said the angels at his birth. He was sent with glad tidings of great joy. You and I are sent with glad tidings of great joy. The gospel message brings joy and deliverance, doesn't it? Well, what else is it? Paul says in, in Philippians 1.29, I think it is unto you, it is given in the behalf of Christ not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for his sake. And it may well be that Christ will trust you and me, beloved, somewhere along the line with something that isn't pleasant and isn't happy, something we don't like, but it is for his sake. I have to admit with some shamefacedness that the times when I have complained the most to God about the way things were going or not going, as the case may be, the times when I've complained the worst to God have been immediately before something nice that God was going to do for me. He was getting me ready for something. Bob Pierce used to say, the only way God can handle me is to break my heart all over again. He said, whenever he's going to do something great in my life, he puts me through the ringer. That's how our brother Bob Pierce used to say. 
Well, I don't know how it is with you. But I only know that Jesus said, as my Father sent me, and that involved getting tired. That involved being misunderstood. That involved being betrayed. That involved being denied. That involved the quintessential essential suffering of, of Calvary. The, the delicate agony, not only of physical pain, but of a broken heart for the sin of all the world. All of that. Yes, I know you and I can never begin to duplicate the suffering of Christ on Calvary and the great heartbreak that he endured as he became sin for us, he who knew no sin. I know we can't duplicate that. Paul the Apostle said we're given the privilege of sharing. And so when God leads you through something that's rough, beloved, you look up and say, Lord, I'm doing this for Jesus. I'm sharing it with him, and I want you to get glory out of it, that God might be glorified. Our Lord Jesus said concerning the man who had been born blind, they asked, who did sin, this man or his parents, that was born blind? And our Lord Jesus said, neither this man nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. Uh, the same, uh, the same uh, idea is found in John 11, where our Lord Jesus delayed coming to Mary and Martha and, and Lazarus, who was ill, long enough for Lazarus to die and to be buried. Uh, he said, This sickness is not unto death only, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. This sickness, that the Son of God might be glorified. You know, it's hard for me to, to accept because I like to get well, don't you? I get a pain, I say, oh, God, touch that and heal it. Amen. <laughs> like the little boy who prayed for patience said, I want patience and I want it right now. Amen. Well, it's not easy for me, and I suppose it isn't for you or anybody, to consider that trials or illness or pains or heartache is any part of the, of the plan of God. And yet Jesus said concerning Lazarus, this sickness is for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified. And it involved Lazarus getting sicker and sicker and sicker and then dying and being buried. That's what it involved. Unto, now let me come back to Philippians 1.29. Unto you it is given in the behalf of Christ, not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for his sake. And I don't know what God is putting you through. Uh, and I don't know what you and I are going to have to face in the future. There are places in this old world where you get shot dead for being a Christian. You know that. Or worse. It's not the worst thing to be shot dead. You know, there are, there are much slower ways of dying. Places in this world where it may cost you your life to be true to Jesus. That hasn't happened here in the USA. Thankfully, this is still the land of the free and the home of the brave. and We can still pray and preach and broadcast the gospel. Hallelujah. Thank God for that. Stand up for freedom wherever you can. Cast your vote for freedom. But the fact is, God trusts you with things that aren't pleasant. He trusts you with tests that try the very metal of your soul. He trusts you with heartache and tears so that he can prove that he's God in your life. I don't know why he does it that way, but he does. Do you want to uh, do you want to take that for yourself 
and apply it to your own life? Look up to today and have in mind the things about which you may have been a little bit rebellious. Say, Lord, I'm not going to rebel against it any longer. I'm going to accept it as part of your plan for me. Glorify yourself in my life. Oh, I'll tell you, make all the difference in the world. When you start praying about your situation, Proverbs says, Commit thy works unto the Lord, and thy thoughts shall be established. Proverbs 16, I think it is 3. Commit thy works unto the Lord, and thy thoughts shall be established. You tell God about your job and about the situation, and he'll make a difference in the way you look about it and think about it. Try that on for size, will you, beloved? No, not everything is pleasant. But the presence of the Lord Jesus in your life gives you real joy. And then he says, as my Father hath sent me, even so send I you. Yes, the glad news of the message of life in Christ. Yes, the thrill and joy of a spirit-filled experience. But yes, also the times when you go through the ringer, as we say. And it isn't very pleasant, but you do it to glorify Jesus. Father God, today, oh, may we know the presence of Jesus and may we fulfill thy divine purpose as we live for him. I ask in Jesus' name, amen. Till I meet you once again by way of radio, walk with the King today and be a blessing.